So this morning, um, as Liana said, the theme is Hope Restored in Part 2 with a switch around of hope in times of longing and waiting. And I want to think a little bit this morning about hope in times of change too. Um, I'm living in a period myself of great hope, hope that we might be able to leave and see everybody as we leave. I have other hopes about the next stage of our life. I have hopes about our family, um, hopes about the future. But I want to start, we've all got different hopes. I want really to start with some scriptures. Romans 5, <clears throat> 1 to 5 says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And peace is such an important thing in the context of hope. Through whom we've gained access by faith, also very important into this grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God that's a hope we have not only so but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance perseverance character and character hope that might be a part that we find more difficult to glory in our sufferings and then, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. It is in Jesus that we are able to find our hope, but also together, and I'll say more about that a bit later. James chapter one talks about having joy in our trials because the testing of our faith makes us steadfast. And one Peter talks about how we're born again to a living hope, an imperishable inheritance of eternal life. And he also says that the genuineness of our faith is tested through trials. I don't like that very much, but I think it's profoundly true. And James and Peter, of course, were both martyred in the end of their lives. What Peter also says uh, in chapter four of the same book, don't be surprised by fiery trials. Don't be ashamed if you suffer as a Christian. Well, in the first half, I want to look at, the, at this topic of change. And in a book called This Too Shall Pass by a leading British psychotherapist called Julia Samuel, she writes about the process of change, starting from the point, her premise, that life is change. And she illustrates through the stories of lots of her clients how different people cope with different change. And she outlines the stages of change. And the fourth of those stages is hope, which is what we're talking about this morning. Now, we're all living in a time of a lot of change, right through from the national to the personal. Obviously, the country is changing. It's going to look different and it's going to work differently after lockdown and COVID. There's going to be a very big change in the church as we leave and a new rector is appointed. And there are no doubt these huge corporate changes will affect each of us differently. And then on top of that, lots of us, probably all of us, will either have gone through or be going through or be about to go through personal changes to do with our own lives. And any kind of change can bring a loss of hope or even hopelessness. So just to give you an idea of the kind of changes I'm thinking of, but this is totally not 
an exhaustive list and it's absolutely not in order of importance or preference or anything like that. It's just how it all flowed out of my pen, out of my mouse. My, so these are the changes we might be going through. My child is going to nursery. My child is going to primary school. My child is going to secondary school. My child is leaving school. My child is going to college or work or university. My child is moving in with a partner. My child is getting married. My child has told us he or she is gay. My marriage is breaking down. My marriage is ending. We are experiencing infertility. My hope of marriage is fading. I'm struggling with my sexuality. I'm going through the menopause. I am or we are moving house, moving job, moving geography. Someone I love has died. So as I said, that's not an exhaustive list, but it's some of the possible changes, some bigger than others that any or all of us might be going through. And any of those can lead to a loss of hope. And all change requires work to adapt to it. The trouble is that we quite want adapting to be quick and painless, but it can really take time to catch up emotionally with an external event because we can't force our feelings to go at the same speed as a removal van or a new job or a new role or a new status. Most of us are brought up to think of life as an upward journey, a staircase where each step is higher than the last. But the reality is much more like the game of snakes and ladders that I expect many of us played as children, where there are ups and downs, sudden ups and sudden downs. All that's really certain is that there will be change. Famously, you know, there's that saying, constant change is here to stay. And change isn't linear either. We all carry lots of invisible baggage, all the important aspects of our past with us through the changes we go through. One of the clients of this uh, author, Julia Samuel, said, I have folded a lot of my past pain into my heart. Just a way of expressing how we carry our past with us. So looking for a moment at the cycle of change, first of all, when it's coming, we think about it. I'm certainly thinking a lot about the end of September. How will it affect me? And often it brings anxiety because not knowing either what it'll be like or how it'll affect me is quite scary. So the first thing we do in the change process is to think about it. The second thing we do is to resist it. And the reason we do this, even if it's internal, is because we crave safety and we find it very difficult to let go of the familiar. I can certainly testify to that at the moment. And the most common ways we resist change are by being too busy, uh, getting really, really overactive, or too terrified to engage. So that's the second thing, we resist change. We think about it, we resist it, and then we have to think about what the disruption feels like. Now the external event or the process might be quite easy to describe. You know, I am having a baby, I am moving house, I am getting married, I have lost my job, I am not going to get married. I am not going to be able to have a child. And we all have natural coping mechanisms when change, either good change or bad change, good or difficult, 
we have these coping mechanisms which we learned in childhood. Sometimes we switch off completely. Sometimes we become overwhelmed. And just a few fortunate people are able to absorb and deal with change quite quickly. But accepting change usually takes much longer than we want it to or allow it to. And really we need to allow time for not knowing, a time just to be uh, what they call in this psychological world a fertile void, an empty time, a time to wait. And of course what we've been talking about in the women's events this year is this process of waiting. In that waiting, the relationships we have with our family, our friends and our colleagues, allowing them to support us is really fundamental to how each of us manages the process of change. And that's why when we come to the second half, why the church community and the fellowship among Christians is so important. This author I'm referencing says, the love of family and friends can help hold us steady when we're shaken which change does to us. And I think that um, I would add, of course, and I will be talking more about that in the, in, in the second half, that um, our community helps hold us steady. So we think about it, we resist it. We think about what it feels like. And then fourthly, hope. Hope is a key factor in how we manage change. We actually can't control hope but it's helpful to understand that it's not just an emotion, although it's supported by emotions. Hope is about how we think, and it has three parts. First, the capacity to set realistic goals. Second, the ability to work out how to achieve them, including a plan B. And thirdly, self-belief. For all those things, we need others. So I'll just say those three things again that are the components of hope. First, the capacity to set realistic goals. Second, the ability to work out how to achieve them, including a plan B. And thirdly, self-belief. So hope is a very important factor when we're going through change. And fifthly, then we integrate and understand the meaning of the change. We come to a place where we've accepted uh, the post-transition or the, the after-change world. And that really can apply to any of those different types of change that I mentioned in that list. And this morning we're concentrating especially on hope and specifically on hope being restored if we've lost it or, or be even become hopeless. And how we manage change using hope is largely going to depend on our past experience because if our hopes have often been realized and hope has proved trustworthy it'll be much easier to travel through change than if we've often had our hopes dashed and experienced disappointment well so far so good this is in my opinion the very helpful wisdom of a psychotherapist distilled from years of study and practice and it's very valuable and helpful and there's a lot we can learn and should learn from such people. And in the last half century, knowledge and understanding of the human psyche and what makes us flourish or fail has just broadened and deepened exponentially, really, really hugely, and all for the good. But although 
this lady describes herself <clears throat> as a non-practicing Christian. I'm not quite sure what that means, whether that just means she doesn't go to church. She doesn't really incorporate any Christian beliefs that she may have into her work, at least not explicitly. They may perhaps undergird her work. It's quite hard to tell. So that's a little look at change and how it affects us, although, of course, it will at the same time affect each of us differently.